0: Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of No Ride Around.
1: Yeah, so we just have sat and chugged about two-thirds of an Americano and did an entire episode... <laughs> But you guys wouldn't want to hear that episode because it was just Harley
0: and Justin talk. (laughs) It did like entrepreneurship, travel arrangements. There was uh, a lot in there. Dietary. Actually, maybe we should have recorded it. (laughs) We, Yeah, you know,
1: well, let's see what we can drum up in this one. Um, This is actually, this is going to be a fun episode because this is that type of episode that uh, it's a conversation you want to have as a consumer. So I'm going to be the consumer today. It's a conversation you want to have like with your trusted business. Bike industry mentor, a, a, i.e., Harley or Colin here at Basecamp. Like <laughs> you want to have this conversation, but as a consumer, it's so hard to have the conversation because of just the the nature of the bike industry, right? Like when we walk in here, consumers to Basecamp. And when I say in here, because we're we're recording in Basecamp right now, when we walk in here. Um, everyone who works here is automatically like that hot chick behind the bar who's pouring (laughs) drinks, right? Like you guys are like thrown, you get at least two or three points on like a totally chauvinistic scale of one to 10. You get two or three points automatically just because you're behind the bar. Like you are the guys with the keys. You're you're at the work stand. You're you're behind the counter. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And so, you know, we want to act like we know enough to make an informed decision, but we also want your opinion. And at the same time, are well aware that you're trying to
0: sell stuff because it's a bike shop. And that was going to be my thought is like, even though we're not like never in the history of the store has a meeting occurred where I was all like, here's what our sales agenda is today. You need to sell this, this, and this because we have too much of it. Like there's, there's never been that meeting, but at the same time, we ultimately do have an agenda given the climate of you know, all the supply chain stuff that continues to go on of trying to get the people who are in the store to buy the things that we have in the store as opposed to trying to order the things that aren't in the store. Right. So even here where we're super honest and upfront, we still, whether we acknowledge it or not, or it's conscious or not, we still have like this little bit of an agenda where it's like, well, I've got this thing and you want a thing similar to it. So let me recommend this thing that we have.
1: Yeah, so there was a a situation. I was in here. uh, Well, I've been in here a lot since you know I was out of town for so long. I had I missed a few things uh, when I was on the van vacay. I mean work vacay. I mean uh, exploring, starting a new. Abby, trust me, I was working. I promise. Um, But when I was gone, I missed a couple of things. One, pour over coffee. Um, Because I just don't have that in the van. I don't need like a fourth way to make coffee in the van. That's just absurd. (laughs) I love that you have three. Yeah. So, um, uh, pour over coffee. I missed that, and uh, and I missed coming in here and being able just to be in you know around my friends in a place that I love, like a bike shop. So, I had spent some time in here, and there was a situation a week ago or so that a guy needed. um, He needed an item. Now he didn't need the the full item. He didn't need the front and the rear. I think it was maybe a hub or or something like that. He just needed one of the two. And you guys had said, uh, yeah, I can't break up that set. Like the guy really wanted the one. And, and, and you go, listen, I I can't break up the set just because, you know, the sets are hard to get. Like we can order you the single. It'll be here in five weeks or you can buy the pair. And that was like a really, I mean, and this guy wasn't in the store when this was happening. This is all done behind his back. So dude, if you're listening, this was done behind (laughs) your back. Um, but you guys were really honest about it. You're like, "Hey, like I just I can't do that. So I'll order it for you. It'll be here in, in many weeks or you can buy the set." And I think that's about as hard-lined as I've ever seen
0: you guys with sales. We don't like to be that way. But there's like uh this element of you know the absolute candor thing that is kind of popular right now, like be brutally honest, but you know, you don't have to be mean about it basically. Yeah. Like that's just the the landscape, right? it took me i to have the the two that i had to have the pair of the thing and it was it was almost definitely either hubs or brakes yeah uh, it was
1: it was hubs i just
0: didn't know if you wanted me to like fully blow out whoever this dude was i don't i mean it wasn't it, and again it, the whole conversation was entirely honest to have that pair of hubs we ordered them 12 or 14 weeks ago and we order like that's our ordering process for both hope and Industry nine to have their products in store, whether it's brakes, brake pads, hub bearings, hubs, whatever. We're literally ordering forecasting 12 to 14 weeks out to make sure that we have pairs of things. Yeah. And so that's just, yeah, it's just real life is what it is. Yeah.
1: And you know, I've always, I've always used that fallback. I was out to dinner last night with, um, with my niece and nephew celebrating. He was, he's turning 13 and he's dealing with some stuff where he goes to school at a, at a, at a private school in Boulder and there's a lot of energy around, you know, being as inclusive as possible. Like, right? and, and I don't think that's a, I don't think that's uh, specific to a private school in Boulder. I mean, that's just globally we are all pushing to be more inclusive and I think that's great. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a, uh, as an aside, I'm reading a, a, kid's book. Um, I'm reading Adventures of Huckleberry Finn um, with one of my buddies. Um, He's an 11-year-old dude, um, but we're reading this book together. And uh, that is not an inclusive
0: book. You go back to Mark Mark Twain's language in the late 1800s. It's a good story, but it's a little rough (laughs) around the edges by today's standards.
1: So I'm talking to my nephew uh, over dinner, and he's just talking about some of the, the stuff that's at play there. And his mom had used the term uh, misogynist towards him, but not in like... Not like,
0: you're a misogynist. Yeah, not in life. that way,
1: but the term came... up And he was like, he just got so thrown back on his heels. And he's like, mom, you think that about me? Um, and he was like really upset about it. And, and she didn't, right? It was just the way they're communicating, it came across that way. Um, and I was telling him at dinner, I said, hey man, like, there... It's virtually impossible. And if you listen to this podcast, you're like, yeah, Justin, for you for sure, it's virtually impossible to live your entire life without having ever offended anybody, because the list of things people can be offended for is infinitely long. And grows. Yeah, and grow. And you can never know like people's experiences that make them sensitive to something. And I said, But buddy, if there's not malice in your heart, like if you don't if you're not meaning to cause harm, but Unfortunately, maybe you say something or you're inter- interacting in a way that does hurt somebody. It's very easy to backtrack that and say, "Whoa, well, I didn't mean to hurt you." As long as you don't have malice in your heart, you know. Sure. Um, and so to bring this full circle, like when you're when your heart is centered around doing good things, being brutally honest, huh. it cannot be taken wrong. Telling the truth cannot be taken wrong if there's not like malice in your heart,
0: right? And, and yeah, so it, oftentimes that brutal honesty. Because it can be a bucket of cold water, can feel like it's got meaning behind it, totally. but really it's just delivering information.
1: Yeah, you just this is the way it is.
0: I'm not really not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just trying to give you the whole picture. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um,
1: and we we've talked about this I think exhaustively on the on the episodes since COVID hit, where you are in a in a unique position where the water is both flowing. Uh, very strong in the bike shop world's direction. But at the same time, it comes with a ton of challenges in terms of like sourcing and all that. And so what I thought would be kind of fun today um, and what we talked about is doing this idea as a consumer in the bike shop, one of the things that we have is we have our bike. We have a thing that we own. I love riding my bike. Um, This bike brings me great joy. But I watch stuff on... Online, on videos, on social media, and talking with people, and seeing them on the trails, and everyone seems to have some new stuff all the time, right? And then, worse, the I think the mountain bike racing world is getting more exposure, right? Like there more races are, yeah, more races are are televised. There's more access to that. Racers themselves, like high level racers, are being very uh, honest and open and uh, communicative on social channels and all that. So. You can't go four minutes without thinking there's something, I, I need a new bike. I need the new thing. Or um,
0: or just want. I mean, some yeah. of it's a, like, I I just see a pretty component. And I want it. And I'm like, I have one of the nicest cross-country bikes. I have a made in the USA. I, I ride an Ibis X-E. It's a made in the USA $4,500 carbon fiber frame manufactured in California. But I still see other stuff and go, I mean, I kind of want that too.
1: (laughs) So you're right. And and that's coming from you where, um, yeah, you would argue I'm jaded to it, but I'm not. Yeah. And so for, a for the standard consumer, there's just this doubt all the time about, do I have the right thing? Should I get something new? And so to make it digestible, we're talking about doing a top three, top three reasons to toss it in the. Can man and start a new, get a new bike. Move on. What's the top three reasons to move on, and then what are the top three reasons to simply upgrade what you've got? And we'll take it from your point of view, the pro in the industry. It will take it from my point of view, the dude who's coming in with a wallet that probably is a little thicker than he'll admit he has, <laughs> um, but also is on a tight leash. So like, I have to pick and choose kind of how i spend things and if it even makes sense because honestly if you're chasing the new thing then it's every year and and now me not even as the consumer me as, as myself i as you saw i just got exhausted with the yearly flip of a bike i'm like dude i'm done i just i'm going to keep these bikes because it's just
0: exhausting i think covid did a good thing for guys like us that did flip our bikes every year like we all joked about you know I rode my revolver full suspension for two seasons and it was a kind of a running joke in the shop about like, Oh, I had to keep my bike this year. You know, (laughs) I I think most people would slap us in the mouth if we had, if we were really actually complaining about it. But I think it was good for us to like pump the brakes and say, I don't have to do this every year. Um, it was a good lesson, I think.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, I think we were in such a rhythm of doing it that we didn't realize how much effort goes into getting a new bike every year. I mean, it's much like a vehicle, and I turn vehicles a lot more frequently than you do. Um, so when you get a new vehicle, you don't factor in all the other stuff, like oh, I had to get a hitch, and I had to get a rack, and then this rack's not compatible, so I had to get that rack, and I had to get the like. It all adds up. I had to and, get all my
0: stuff for this car.
1: Yeah, and so and that same thing happens with bikes too. You know, like. Yeah, you may have made a pretty even swap, but you had to get this, this, new rubber, new grips, new inserts, new, you know. So how do I know if it's time to upgrade the bike? Just get a – I'm sorry. Is it time to get a new bike? Just get a whole new thing or does it make more sense to upgrade the bike that I have? Okay. Um, Categories to think about, right, is uh, form versus function, right? Do I just want it because it's pretty? right? Or do I, do I actually need something because the functions change use? Like what's my use has my use changed, you know? And then, um, I think like longevity, right. And durability, because those are the things that I think if we, if we stepped back and said, let's do this intelligently, not emotionally, those are the areas we (laughs) would would try to work in.
0: Um, I think there's kind of the two to start the, uh, one of the, the, the first one that's pr- really easy to address is the use profile of the bike. Oftentimes, and we have a really good example is uh, one of our teammates, Ryan Bennett. When he, he was a COVID bike buyer, right? Before he, bought, or before he bought a bike in 2020, he rode bikes. He knew how to ride a bike, um, but he wasn't a bike rider by all accounts. And he came in, and he had a budget number in mind, and he bought a cool bike. Um, You know, mid-travel, good components, dropper, tubeless, name brand suspension. And he rode the ever-living crap out of that thing for two full seasons. But then what he wanted to do changed drastically. Yeah, Like, what he wanted to do on the bike.
1: Yeah, he went from, I want to ride a bike because it's fun. I want to ride a bike because it's fun and like, wow, the fitness side of it is pretty cool. I want to ride a bike. It's fun. The fitness side's cool. Man, it's really neat to be in this community of people that are doing it. And then huge, giant, like skip all the squares of the hopscotch yeah. to the end and say, I want to
0: race at the highest level. I want to race pro field.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. You are going to need to change your bike, dude, because racing your Civic around the streets is cool, but
0: when you go to a NASCAR race, <laughs> it ain't going to cut it. You can't have a Civic. So that's a huge one. I mean, so many people come into a bike shop with a number in mind and uh, there's not a right or wrong number. It's just on a scale of what they're comfortable with and and what they think they're going to do um, with no real direction other than they want to ride fat knobby tires on dirt trails. And sometimes it's 6 months, sometimes it's 2 years, sometimes it's 5 years. The but at some point they start to develop a more clear identity of who they are as a mountain biker or as a cyclist in general. I bought a mountain bike, I'm not a mountain biker, I want to grab a gravel bike.
1: Yeah, I uh I was in here, like I said I've been hanging out here. This guy walks in. By the way, if you walk into base camp and I'm here, your private like there's no uh buyer bike shop <laughs> confidentiality agreement here. No, no. They're like no. like you're fair game, dude. Yeah um guy walks in and goes yeah so uh see you guys carry santa cruz yeah yeah we, we carry santa cruz yeah so um i need to get a new bike man um i you know live in the area well, what what do you think well I, i'm between two bikes i'm thinking either the high tower or the blur and i just like walked away with my uh, hands in the air and i'm like i'm done talking to colin for the next two hours because this colin has to educate from the beginning from
0: the ground yeah and so and and I think some people might feel bad about not knowing what they're looking for. Totally do. Because um, you guys
1: are intimidated. Remember, you're the hot bartender. No, I know.
0: I know. I know. Um, and I think we do a really good... I, It may have been the same. No, there was, a, <laughs> there was another guy who came in recently who he described his bike, his riding as mostly focused on climbing. Um, that's what he's looking to do better. He's got a hard tail, but he doesn't love it. And then tells me he's looking at two enduro bikes, you know, 160 millimeter plus travel bikes. I was like, well, let's walk it back. Cause I think yeah. you're looking at the wrong stuff. And yeah. so, you know, I, I think uh, probably a good way to identify a shop that you want to do business with would be for them to not call you an idiot or make you feel bad about not knowing what you want, but then also not just saying, okay, you want to make uh, you want a, you want know, a mega tower or 160 millimeter travel 29er. Cause you want to climb better. Here you go. I yeah. got one, yeah. you know, like taking the time to like kind of dissect what you want to do. Um, cause I don't think that happens. In fact, I know it doesn't, we had a, a, a warranty customer come in, um, on a bike that was just too light duty for him. And it was a uh, Jensen online. I'll trash talk online sales all day long. Um, it was an online sale and the salesperson definitely didn't qualify anything. They just saw a $12,000 sale and just took it offered no guidance whatsoever. And now this guy's here, um, disappointed in what he bought. Yeah. So, uh, definitely buying or having the wrong bike is a great reason to consider moving to the next bike.
1: Yeah. So understanding exactly what you want to use it for. And then knowing, I think, you know, as a consumer, um, again, as my character role, the consumer, because <laughs> Lord knows I have seven bikes hanging up in the <laughs> office, but as the character consumer right now, I may not be able to have all of these different, very specific tools. And so, you know, um, I think it's, I think when deciding to either upgrade the current bike or get a new bike, um, understanding that there are limitations when you get really specific on your use profile. So If I know exactly how I want to ride a bike, I have to know that that one bike probably isn't going to be great in all of these other categories is passable. Mm -hmm. I always come back to the 120 bike, like a 120 travel bike in Colorado, like where we live, right? You can, I can race a 120 and not be at any cross country endurance, uh, mountain bike race, any mountain bike race. I can race a 120 and not have a huge disadvantage. And so just to put numbers to it. So my revolver is what, like 25 and a half pounds. Yeah. By
0: cross country world cup standards, it's a heavy bike. It's
1: a heavy bike, 25 and a half pounds because, uh, you know, um, I can get an Orbea, a Weath, the same, the same like use profile for 22 pounds. Right. So I got a three, three and a half pound difference. Um, so I've kind of got like a heavier bike, but it's not so heavy that it's holding me back in those races. I don't have a pig. Mm -hmm. Um, at the same token, I currently have a cup in Moab on a uh, gold bar rim to the bottom of portal, and it was on the 120 bike, right. which is about as chunky, gnarly, droppy, suspension needed, like people use full face and pads. So I say the 120 like covers kind of everything, but when I'm at a high level bike race, I know that I'm at a bit of a disadvantage.
0: Sure. So I think understanding, just like that, if you went to a bike park with a bunch of dudes in full face helmets, you totally, would know that you were at, at a disadvantage. A, yeah,
1: right. But I, the advantage though is that I have one bike to maintain, one bike to keep clean. I have one bike to spend money on, so it can be a really nice version. So use profile super important, uh, but then understanding the limitations, the more specific that profile gets.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what was next on our list?
1: So, let me just give you a scenario. So I come in. Hey man, um, I've had this bike for a few years. Uh, you know, I've put on new brakes. I've put on, I've had the suspension serviced. You know, I get new tires every year. I get a new chain every year. It's like running well, but I just, I feel like I've got, like, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking about the next new thing. Um, I'm just worn out with having this one. That's really what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's the next reason I think to, to just get a whole new bike. So how do you deal with that scenario?
0: Get the bike. (laughs) uh it's it's hard um because oftentimes we have there's kind of two ways that that conversation plays out sometimes we have people who come in and they've deferred so much maintenance regardless of the age of the bike we've seen it happen on two-year-old bikes where the honest conversation is it's a lot of money to fix this and the delta between fixing this and getting the newer version of it with better parts is thousand bucks, two thousand bucks.
1: Yeah, it's. It, I think it's harder for you because, like, somebody gets into a car wreck and you, you case in like a bumper and a quarter panel. Yeah. All right, we're gonna repair that. It's 3,600 bucks. Right. But that same car accident and you trash the whole front end of the car, and it's just easy. Hey, it's totaled. You have to get a new car. Right. You could have a totaled bike but it'll still be able to pedal up and down a trail.
0: Yeah, and, and that that's a weird thing, you know, like, it, it just... Hey, man, it's working fine. What do you it, mean? It I just new... cannibalizes itself, right? Like, when the drivetrain's so worn out that the chain, the chain ring, the $500 SRAM cassette, you know, you're looking at a grand to replace the drivetrain. Well, but it still shifts and pedals. Yeah, everything's just worn to shit. Yeah. Like, if you want it to work better, you should replace it all.
1: Yeah, if this was a car, dude, it would be totaled.
0: So that, that's a hard one. Um, and I think the, a couple of ways to, to get some concrete answers about it is what's the repair bill relative to the original cost of the bike. And then how old is the bike? If it's a five-year-old bike, how much is it depreciated? If it's a $1,500 repair, well, you could argue that if the bike was brand new was four grand, five years old and clapped out it might be worth 1500 bucks to sell it so if the cost is the same as the sale value just sell it and buy a new bike yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and should you feel guilty
1: like selling
0: a bike i think if you're honest about it like upfront, hey yeah. this thing is priced appropriately but it needs work yeah. i think you can totally do that because there's somebody who will happily look at that bike as their entry into a nice full suspension bike
1: yeah it's funny you you uh that you said it that way because i was just online the other night i was on like facebook marketplace and uh my father-in-law had when he got out of the marine corps he drove um, a bug a volkswagen beetle from california all the way back to iowa it was a green beetle and he's telling me all these stories about it and so i've actually been you know behind his back looking for you know, a late 60s bug. Because I'm like, man, it'd be kind of cool to give him that. Yeah. And I'm like, as, but people selling it do just that. They're super honest. Like, I was reading a post. It goes, you know, uh, high altitude vehicle, meaning it was in Colorado, uh, no salt really. So it helps you say, yep. no rust. Here's pictures of the, of the you know, the bottom of it and the inside, the floorboards, blah, blah, blah. But well, um, the engine's out of no, it. No, it has no engine. <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> it's rollable, but no engine. You're like, all right, like, I know what I'm getting into versus yep. somebody who posted and be like, it ran the last time I, I, when I parked it five mm, years ago, Right, um, not sure what it needs. Yeah.
0: That's so I, I don't think you should feel bad. You know, there, one of my big lessons in the four years that we've had the store here has been kind of like, there's a butt for every seat, which is more of a used car or car sales, uh, mentality, but, um, it definitely applies here. Like, If you have something, no matter how weird or esoteric, somebody's going to walk in and be like, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, And I think the same goes for the the used bike market. So I think if you have that, that bike, that's like, Hey, it's going to be 1500 bucks to repair it. I think you can happily sell it for 800 ish to somebody who's looking for a bike that by all accounts works.
1: Yeah. That's the thing. An $800 used bike buyer. Yeah. Probably isn't going to pony up the 1,500 bucks for the repair, No, but it does work, right? Like, yeah, the,
0: the shocks bounce, yeah. the gears go up and down, yeah, the brakes stop. I'm just going to ride it. So I think as long and then you never know, maybe you find that bizarre intersection of somebody who wants a full suspension bike and wants to tinker and learn. So now they've got this great, it's like, it's like buying a junker out of a, out of a junkyard and being like, well, I'm going to learn how to do carbs. Yeah. Like it's the same thing i, w- I want to learn how to bleed brakes well here here's an 800 bike that if you if you fuck it up it was already fucked up anyway <laughs> right <laughs> so i don't think uh, again. Yeah, don't getting, feel bad rolling yeah. out your,
1: your bike and oh i'm gonna sell it i think if you're it.
0: super upfront and honest about it when you list it i think it's fine so you got the
1: math kind of the math at play like yeah age of bike current value versus repair value yeah this is probably the thing
0: um Okay. The other one that I was gonna get into on that is—is is it aluminum or carbon? If you have an aluminum bike and it's old or aging out, move to a carbon model. Yeah. Why? Like, they just last longer. The warranties tend to be better. Um, so what that, that I? Cause
1: I agree with you. I just said why because I'm a consumer character. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do have a little pushback on this one. Why is the Ritmo AF then one of the fastest selling bikes? It's just like flying off the floors for this. Price point.
0: Why, do, why are there more, you know, why do you see more, more civics on the road than you do G wagons?
1: Yeah, it's a good point. It's,
0: it's, 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 it's a pure, it's a great bike for under $4,000. Gotcha. I mean, it has little to do the, the material only factors in, in consideration to the budget. Gotcha. Right. Like it costs less to hydroform aluminum tubes and stick them together with heat than it does to lay up carbon fiber.
1: So that's a tough conversation. Then you have somebody who say I'm a competent bike rider, mm-hmm. right? I ride everything in the front range. I I uh, you know, I in my in my head I, I rail it, you know, I send it, I go yeah. pretty big. Um I have a budget. Do I go aluminum bike with dope components? or then carbon bike with the entry-level components. This
0: is a point of contention in this bike shop because who are the two main people on the sales floor on any given day? Yeah, you and Colin. Yep. And we have exactly opposite opinions.
1: Great. That makes it really easy for a consumer character.
0: So <laughs> roll the dice, folks. Who's at the, who's at the helm? Um, my contention is that I – let's say there's two bikes. They're both $4,000. One has dope parts, aluminum frame. One has carbon frame, not so dope parts. But let's say the fork and the rear shock are are good. But wheels, handlebars, brakes, drivetrain, dropper post are all kind of meh. I would 100% of the time prefer to see the consumer get the nicer frame. Because if they're going to keep the bike for five years, that's the part that you can't just replace or repair without replacing the whole bike. Taco a wheel, buy a nicer wheel. Rip a derailer off, get a nicer derailleur. Feeling a little bit extra flush from like a, a Visa gift card bonus from work, buy a carbon handlebar. All these things are little things that you can do over the course of the life of the bike to that just kinda happen. It's mountain biking. You can buy, I mean, you've destroyed carbon wheels. Like it doesn't have to like cheap and the ability to break it don't necessarily like
1: yeah let's validate that i've destroyed carbon wheels i've destroyed carbon handlebars and i've destroyed a carbon frame
0: yeah so <laughs> so like expense has nothing to do necessarily with whether it can or can't break right carbon crank right <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh so we've all broken derailleurs we've all bent a wheel or tacoed a wheel We've all had an extra little bit of cash where we're like, I don't know, I'll buy myself something nice. Yeah. So uh, the nicer frame gives room for that.
1: Right. And that helps like, because we'll get to that next piece, you know, where it's like, okay, updates then okay, yep. I'm going to keep the bike. So having the quality frame, the backbone, the real, like the foundation of your experience, having that to be a higher grade is your position. If somebody's like really dancing budget, yep. um, and I meant to say this when we started the episode, but we are talking 100% exclusively with mountain bikes only, because yeah. in road bikes, you can have a 20-year-old uh campy drivetrain and it works the same as it did the day it was put on the bike. Like, and this is because road bikes don't get beat up. Like,
0: well, and the, the technology—it's an old enough part of the sport that there's not a lot happening innovation-wise. In fact, the most recent innovation that saw its way onto a race course came from mountain bikes. A dude won one of the Spring, spring Classics because he put a dropper post on his road bike so that he could descend faster because they banned a certain aero position on road bikes.
1: Yeah, it's... The- like, so
0: the innovation is a little stagnant. There's weight restrictions on how, how light a road bike can be. And so they can't make it lighter. You know, there's less moving parts. There's not shocks. There's, you know, the geometry numbers are pretty locked in.
1: Yeah, and like with road biking, with the exception of, you know, the mountain stages in the tour, for the most part, when you road bike, you're riding on roads that people drive on, and they mm-hmm. don't make a lot of roads that go straight up the freaking hill, right. like a mountain bike. So yeah. um, whether you have, you know, a heavier or – quote unquote, slower, less efficient road bike or not, isn't going to determine whether or not you can go on the group ride. Like you can pretty much ride any road bike on a group ride. So we're talking mountain bikes because you're right. They get destroyed all the time. So if you got a janky, not janky. Okay. That's not fair, but like you have an NX derailleur, right? And then you destroy it. Okay. Then you buy an XO one derailleur. Get a
0: nicer one. Or you know, do yourself the big favor and buy the the wireless upgrade kit for six hundred bucks.
1: Yeah. So, in and those are you know pretty man, consumer guy. Before I met you, you know, I bought all my bikes with uh like a uh, a bike specific credit card. What's the company you guys? Take
0: oh, to? the Synchrony. Synchrony. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: I bought all my bikes with the Synchrony because I'm like well, I can't really afford a forty five hundred dollar bike, but I can afford two hundred fifty bucks for the next
0: twelve months or eighteen two, two, months two, you know, or whatever. twenty four yeah. months or something yeah. like that's not yeah. a
1: big deal. So, um. Just to that same token, you know, five months from now, I can pay 400 bucks for a new whatever, yep. right? Cockpit or something. Yep. So, okay, so that, that answers that question because that's that's a huge thing. Because, every, you know, people have a budget, right? And, and I think we have to be aware of that and be conscious of it. And people who really can afford anything still have a budget, right? There's certain things. like they do. I They're
0: just more comfortable with saying my budget's 8 to 11.
1: Or like... Like I won't pay $4 for a protein bar hard pass. Yeah. Like I will not do it. Yeah. I have $4. Yeah. I'm hungry. That protein bar is $4. I'm not buying it. I'm <laughs> fundamentally opposed to a $4, even worse, like a four 50 cliff bar at yeah. the airport. Yeah. I will eat ketchup packets first. So, so it's not happening. Uh, so budget is going to be a concern. So you go with the nice, the nice frame and you can upgrade. Yeah. Your
0: stuff. And, and, I, I think that there's not a right or a wrong answer to that um, I truthfully and this is gonna sound awful I don't know why Colin I haven't like really like pulled back the the, the hood on why his opinion is what it is but that's what a lot of this shit is is kind of just opinion based like if you buy an aluminum bike with nice parts on it you're gonna be happy with it
1: yeah that you know you're gonna be happy with it
0: but it's the first thing.
1: And I don't, I don't want to brain this up because I don't want these decisions. I don't want anyone to listen to this episode and uh, and not get good information. Um, I want you to be able to make a good decisions afterwards. But at the same time, there is a peer pressure environment in here too. Like when you show up to the trailhead at Buff – that was at Buff Creek last weekend. And they like – it was so packed. People made up new ways to park at Buff Creek. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like getting out of it was like the mousetrap game. Right. You know what I mean? It was yeah. unreal. Uh, There were so many people. And so you show up to a trailhead and all your buddies got carbon bikes and you have an aluminum bike with a bunch of nice components on it. Like that, like I've been that guy, you
0: know? I think, but I think it's okay to emotionally want something. Uh, And what I mean is like the carbon. Like it's okay to just want the sexy thing. Um, Years and years and years ago, um, as we're all aware, there's no shortages of, uh, opinions on, on this side of the table. Like I've got lots of them. I'm not happy to share them. Um, and I try to do it honestly and, and respectfully. Um, but I'm opinionated and, um, the local SRAM sales rep asked me knowing, and I've known him for years. And I would say we're, we're friends. Um, knowing that I have opinions and I'm not afraid to share them, asked me if I would be okay to have a meeting with the SRAM, um, like the head of the wheel department. And they were kind of trying to crack this code on making carbon wheels that people would want to buy. And the crux of the conversation at the time they were getting their asses kicked by everybody was getting their asses kicked by envy. And at the time, I don't know if envy was making a better wheel than they are now or worse wheel than they are now, or, you know, if they were noticeably making a better carbon wheel than SRAM was at the time, but people saw that sticker on the frame on the rim and emotionally wanted
1: it. It was the hot shit.
0: And so I think it you can't for something that this is a passion sport, right? Like even at the top, top, top end of the, the sport, you're making peanuts compared to football, basketball, premier league soccer. So, when you start scaling that down, nobody—very few people—have aspirations of becoming the next best cyclist in the world. So it's an emotional sport. It's something that is we just do because it touches a part of us that uh, makes us feel good. And so, parts of the purchase can be emotionally driven, and it's okay.
1: Yeah. There. Um... You're saying that, and as you're saying that there's, there's a scenario playing in my head over and over on a loop. We've got a guy who's you know, part of no ride around adjacent because he doesn't live in state. Mm-hmm. Super accomplished rider, and he's always trying to chop grams anywhere he can to get his bike super light, which all his bikes are super light. And uh, as a consequence of that, plus his training, he wins all the time. Super fast dude. I finally asked him what wheels he was running just recently on one of our last trips together. And he's got this company, a manufacturer in China that builds his wheels and they build them to spec. So you tell them like how you, you know, how wide you want the rims, um, how many spokes, how the spokes are done. Like you tell every detail, which I wouldn't even begin to know how to, how to guess like what I wanted to have to learn. So you submit that to them and then they build you a wheel to spec. Now the odds are this manufacturing house is probably manufacturing wheels for brands that are more commonplace in the market, right? Like, yeah. We, But that's how he gets his wheels and he gets them for all of his bikes. And they actually seem to work really well. And they, you know, his hubs are spent. Everything seems real, like, seems great. I can't do it. You know, we've had a relationship with Crank Brothers. We had a relationship with uh, other bike manufacturers that provide wheel. Like, I just can't do it. I, 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 I can't do it. it. It doesn't jive emotionally, it doesn't jive with kind of like, what we stand for or what we do or who we are. And so I couldn't show up with these like unlabeled random wheels. And that's a total emotional decision.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's all it is. And it's, it's okay to just want the the thing that you perceive is cool. So if you perceive the carbon bike with not as great of parts on it as cool, and that makes you feel good about buying a four or $5,000 toy, do it. Yeah. Like at a certain point, all of it is feeling good. Like we're doing this for, because we want to go get our woohoo's out, um, and so you know, if you if you think the carbon bike's sexier in some way, just get it. If, it, if all things be well, yeah, price wise yeah, yeah. and everything.
1: All right. So what we co- what we covered really is the decision to get a new bike comes down to has your use profile changed dramatically, not even like significantly. Has it significantly changed how you want to use a bike or the type of bike rider you want to be? The second thing we covered: time to get a new bike if it's old enough and beat up enough that the repair just outweighs the current value of the bike. So it's probably time to go. And then the third reason that we talked about is just briefly here, like if you just emotionally want something new, just just get the new thing. Um, But let's say getting a new bike is completely off the table, either financially or like we've got a guy um, in our group that Financially, a guy could buy not just a, I mean he buy your bike could shop. Buy a bike, bike shop. He buy your bike shop today.
0: Right, cash. Right.
1: <laughs> so that's not What's the concern. His um, <laughs> but he has a number of bikes that he can have in the house that don't create a problem. Sure. Right. If I have more than this, it creates a problem. Not just with storage and where they go, but it just creates a problem and, where. And, no,
0: domestic harmony is not in there
1: totally. So <laughs> this person goes, just I, I'm not getting a new bike. Uh, but I want to make this bike better. I would like to know from the Bike Shop Pro, what are three upgrades that can revolutionize the user experience of the same
0: bike that also make enough sense to do it, right? I don't know if there's three because you kind of have a couple of, like the the number of systems on a bike, aren't that many. You've got the frame, suspension, you've got the wheel, you've got the drivetrain, you've got the brake. Those are your systems, right? Okay. In painting in really broad strokes, right? Well, uh, you got to
1: figure out three because this is
0: clickbait. <laughs> so, it's like two top three, top three, two top and a quarter. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> um you know, I think on a long enough timeline, we'll we'll cover a lot of this a lot of st- there will be times where topics overlap a little bit. And we did one similar to this last year, but I always, always, always stand by the wheel upgrade discussion. If you've got a bike that you're mostly happy with, but want to be happier with it per dollar spent wheels are the best way to go.
1: So it's kind of tough to like you at the risk of you going down the nerd tunnel, (laughs) right. And talking about like rotational mass and things like that. Um, Just like the guy whose bike shifts okay, and you say, I need a whole new drivetrain. Be like, well, what?" Like you just did this to me recently. You sent me a text not too long ago that said, I need a whole new derailleur. And I'm like, dude, the bike shifted completely fine when I left it with you.
0: Yeah, because some dude in a different country smashed it with a hammer to make it work. Yeah, but it worked (laughs) fluidly and seamlessly. Then I give it to you.
1: You do a couple of things, and it is complete garbage. And you go, well, you need a whole new derailleur. And I'm like... This is uncool in my head, <laughs> but I knew you wouldn't do me dirty. Right. And so um, I just got the new derailleur. But what do you mean wheels? Because, I mean, my wheels
0: work. Well, we can't use your wheels because you have a $2,500. No, no, I'm the reason. consumer. I'm a consumer character right now.
1: My consumer so, character, my wheels work. I bought this bike three so years let's, ago. Let's,
0: I'll I'll make this recommendation assuming a couple of things. Um, It's maybe a, th- three-ish year old bike and it was a more budget-minded purchase. So yeah, I got, we, the carbon frame, got the carbon frame, but with frame, the whatever components. Um, so the wheels are, you know, starting from the, the middle, better bearing quality going out to the rim being stiffer and lighter. Um, and I'm not going to get, but better higher quality bearings are going to smooth more or smooth. They're going to spin more smoothly, uh, and thusly when you're coasting and not applying power to the bike, maybe you'd notice it. Maybe you don't, but there's less wasted energy. It rolls faster. It rolls faster. And then like to the extreme of that, if you want to get really carried away, uh, we just picked up ceramic speed products. And if you want to spend $600 on bearings, it gets even better.
1: Yeah.
0: um, lower spoke count, you know, we're pretty cross country race centric here, so let's assume that um we're talking about that consumer um you know, lower spoke count, you know, you're just across the board you're re- reducing rotational mass um in some cases for what little advantage like we build almost exclusively with uh, the SAPM CX-ray spokes which are a bladed spoke which you know, on some of these cross country races, you have ten miles of pavement. Okay, sure. I don't know. Maybe it matters. I'm not going to say it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and then the carbon rim. I mean, the fact that the rim itself doesn't deflect radially. So if you imagine a perfect circle and you're rolling down the road on aluminum rim that has more movement to it, just imagine the bottom of that circle flattening out ever so slightly. Um, so you kind of, you're just always kind of rolling on a slightly egg shaped wheel. Um, so that's your radial compression. It's compressing up towards the hub. Um, eliminating that increases the durability of the wheel because the spoke tension stays more consistent. So the spokes aren't going to be inclined to potentially, or the nipples on the spokes aren't going to potentially <laughs> he's like, he's like <laughs> start to unwind a little bit and reduce. And it's, it's death by a thousand cuts, but over a long enough span of time, you can lose spoke tension, um, which then makes a weaker wheel, which then increases the likelihood of some sort of failure. Um, and I came in here with
1: that like a week or two ago on my, you were curious. On my You're bike. like, Hey, I think, I think the spoke, cause I was riding and I was like hearing, I could like, hear the teeing of spokes. I'm, like, I don't think this is, Something's off, and Mo checked, and my spoke tension was great across the wheel, and that was, those are Envy carbon wheels, and that bike only gets hammered. Right.
0: It's your big bike. It's my big
1: bike. It only takes massive drops and gets nuked, and funny, to bring this to more of like anecdotal, that bike has carbon Envy wheels, which in my head as an XC racer, I think, spend the money on the carbon wheels on the XC bike that I want to make super light and super fast, Um, I don't necessarily need it on, like, a squishy trail bike that's just to go get beat up. Um, But you don't see me selling my NV wheels on on that bike and putting aluminum on it.
0: Well, and so then your other dimension is, like, lateral stiffness. And when you're cornering through – I can think of a handful of corners, um, even at Green Mountain, like off-camber, rocky, coming into them fast corners. Like, if the wheel's not twisting laterally, so, like, in – the plane of your turn, then the tires gonna hook up better. You're gonna go around that corner more confidently. Um so even for a big squishy bike, now we're not buying lightweight, we're buying performance. Right. Right. Um it's so so a guy walks in, got
1: you know that carbon frame, lower level components, been lucky for the last three years and not really broke Like has got a new chain uh, but hasn't really broken anything, right? A mm-hmm. couple of... The derailleur hanger's been bent back a couple of times. Yeah. Man, I've been pretty lucky, but I just, like, ugh,
0: like, what can I do to like get more? You say, get a set of wheels. Get a set of wheels. And oftentimes... Now, if you're going from a high-end aluminum wheel set to a high-end carbon wheel set, the delta in weight probably isn't going to be that much.
1: Yeah, it's not a... I found that out even on, like, my gravel bike.
0: Yep. The weight isn't the thing. Well, but if you're talking about this this avatar of a consumer who bought a mid range carbon bike, the Delta between a lower entry level aluminum wheel set and a nice carbon wheel set is probably actually going to be a lot.
1: Wow. Okay, cool.
0: Um, you know, high end for high end, you know, like 11, $1,200 aluminum wheel set against a $2,400 carbon wheel set. Not going to be that much. I would say half a pound or less, but
1: all performance at that
0: point, but all performance, but you know, this, this other, this other consumer, you know, they're, they might see a, a substantial weight savings, especially cool. if you pair it with a better, you know, different set of tires too.
1: Yeah, and I think that's you know, so um, because that's what guys do for their for their kids, right? Like they buy like a like a cheaper bike for their kid, you know, mm-hmm. and then, but they put on a cool. T- like we got one of our family friends. He's like, "Oh, look at this bike I got my kid, and it's like an REI bike or something, you know?" Yeah, and. Yeah. If I put some maxis tires on there in grips. So tires, grips, and pedals, that's yeah. like the,
0: <laughs> cause you can buy like for colors for 70 bucks, you can buy matching pedal uh, pedals and grips. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, well, but also, you know, so I'm going to cheat a little bit on my top three things because you could argue that wheels and tires are kind of the same thing, but you could do tires independently. Um, I'll cite specifically two cross country race bikes that we sell the blur TR and the, uh, Orbea Oeth TR. Um, for better or for worse, they spec those bikes with a beefier tire. Um, but most people that we see are buying them because they want to do a Leadville or something like that. And a beefier tire isn't necessarily called for. And so another upgrade you could potentially do independently of spending a couple thousand dollars on a set of wheels is you can... And it's crazy. You can get a much bigger weight saving on tires. Oh,
1: and I think that if you haven't done this, you have a lot to learn with it. But just going to the bike shop and picking up uh, oh, just hold a couple of tires. Yeah, hold a race king Mm -hmm. and then hold um, a trail king. Yep. Or hold you know an ardent race and hold the a freaking beefy. How do you even say the ass guy tire? Ass guy. Oh yeah, I just still yeah.
0: It's it's ass guy tire. An ass guy.
1: Yeah. Um, and you can feel it like it's, subst- and then you talk about like, you know, whether it's exo protection or this and yeah. that, and like, uh, um, oh, you
0: make yourself crazy with Max's tires. Oh, Maxis is just like, that. <laughs> so, you know, so. so they have so many variations on their tires. The last time I went to any sort of trade show, incidentally, I also got COVID at that trade show. Um, I went to the Maxis booth and I walked up to the guy and I was like, who do I talk to about the number of tires that Maxis makes? He's like, I don't know, but he's not here. And you're like the twentieth person to ask me that today.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. I uh, I gave a tire over the weekend to a teammate who had gotten a like a puncture the night before on the sidewall, and so he he was gonna be out for the ride. I'm like, oh, dude, I got a tire for you. And so he showed up, and I tossed him like an ardent and um, super XC dude, and he's like. Um, this is like a really big, I go, dude, it's a, it's a training tire. Put it on the front. You'll be fine. Yeah. And then after the ride, he came here actually, cause you're going to replace it. Yep. He's like, well, what do you want? And I was like, I don't want to know." Oh, one. well, hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's like going to, uh, it's like going to a cracker barrel hungry. Like I can't pick something off this menu. The menu yeah. is a book.
0: Yeah. Um, but and you've given me options. Options were the worst thing you could have given.
1: Right. Me. Um, I, I think put this as a cool example. I have tires that are my favorite to race on. Um, Consequently, they're not very durable. And so I've gotten to a weird spot with tires where, like, yeah, I like to race those, but they just get beat up so much that I just can't use them as my, like, everyday tire. And so I've switched to a beefier, like, training tire. Mm -hmm. And then we'll see what I do when it comes to, to, you know, race time, which... I guess a lot of people do that, right? Like swap out tires just for the race.
0: Yeah, I um Yeah. I, I think there there's some people I think changing tires is a, a massive pain in the ass, especially if you run tire inserts. So once I have tires set up, I kind of just leave them mm-hmm. <laughs> until until they need to be changed. There's a lot of people that do that because I have you know, you talk with somebody and
1: they'll they'll run like, you know, just to use Maxis. They'll run Ardents. Yeah. And then when they get to a race, they'll go, Well, yeah, I take my I, Take my art and I've worn it down so much it's basically like a race tire now. Yeah,
0: it's it's essentially like a semi-slick.
1: Yeah, and you kind of look at it and you're like, well, yeah, I guess you're you're kind of right. But um can't afford the rims or the wheels, right? Or just
0: like can't justify like you could justify twelve hundred dollars, but not
1: twenty
0: five hundred dollars. There's a massive, massive opportunity just in your tires.
1: Cool. Yeah, I think that one's great, and I, and I don't think that people play around with it enough. And I also think that you talked about emotional decision making. I think that there's an emotional connection with tires. Also, I mean, you won't see me put a knobby nick on any of my bikes ever, even right. if I've had them for free. And I'm like, I'm not going to nah, do it nah. because I once had Schwalbe's, and I tore the tire in three sub- subsequent rides. Yeah, and I'm like, I, that I, tire doesn't that work. Tire for me. doesn't work for me. Probably wasn't the tire.
0: Yeah. Uh I'll actually, I don't really care for Schwalbe's very much. So <laughs> I had, so, um, one of our staff members here used to be the Schwalbe rep. He was giving us like the dude, you need to check these tires out on his own a sample account, bought me a set of tires. I put them on my bike, rode them one ride. I was like, dude, these rides super good. Wrote them on another ride. Now I'm not a tire destroyer guy. That's right. not me. And I wasn't riding necessarily. I was riding at, uh, up in Evergreen, which is not a tire shredding place. Right. Two rides. Colin had a set of them, one ride. I just don't think the durability's there. So a yeah. little bit of a tangent, but you can talk all the shit you want about Schwaby.
1: <laughs> so tires, tires I'll are back good. it up. <laughs> tires are good. Like yeah. number two way. No, come in, hey, I need some stuff.
0: Well and you know, again a lot of manufacturers get it a little screwy. Um where, you know, they'll overspec a tire. Um and in that case, like you could lose a pound in tires Yeah. for if you, if and you it's buy ro- the, if you buy the tire and need new sealant and pay the shop to do it, it's probably under $300. And you're talking about the type of
1: weight that's an exponential return yep. on investment because it's rotational weight. Yep. So it really makes it a big difference. Okay, yep. cool. So that takes. So I don't know out. if
0: I cheated that one a little bit. No, no, that, that counts as
1: two. I like it. Um, so one, one more, like my bike, you know, this is a 2019 bike. I've raced on it. I ride on it. It's my only bike. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really thinking about getting a new one, but man, I just, I can't it, I can't make that jump. I'm okay with the wheels and the tires. This is like what I like to ride. You know, I'm experienced. And so I feel comfortable with what I like to ride. Like, what can I do to just get some little hotness on this? So I'm I'm just not pining for that new bike this season. What's one thing I can do?
0: I'm going to sharpen our focus a little bit because earlier we made it clear we were talking about mountain bikes and now I'm going to sharpen that focus to somebody who is a cross country rider with aspirations to do cross country events,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, data collection, get a power meter, whether it's a crank, whether it's dual sided, single sided, whether it's pedals, there's some, actually some really cool systems uh, that I've been considering where you, you have a set of pedals so you can swap them around yeah. to whatever bike um and get a good computer
1: cool so uh, brain bring tech to the bike
0: yeah, you know um our last episode we talked heavily about FTP and if if you got if you really like stripped away a lot of it, some of the opinion that you might come away with is that FTP and power kind of don't matter in an actual race scenario but do matter in a training scenario um and so, Assuming that you've spent a bunch of money on a bike and you're devoting enough time to have a conversation with yourself about what can I do to make my experience better, then starting to collect data um, wouldn't be a bad way to go.
1: Man, you so uh, sometimes the preacher says just what you need to hear. Uh, I didn't expect that answer. Uh, yeah. At all whatsoever. Um, yeah. That goes to show we did not show note this thing we from beginning did. to end. Yeah. But um, <laughs> kind of like a overview Venn diagram approach here. Yeah. So you, you threw me for a loop, but it's it's funny you said that because I have been anxiously awaiting the opportunity to go ride road bikes, me on the gravel bike and Abby on the road bike, um, with Abby, because I put on a power meter yep. on her road bike. And when I say I, I mean, I watched you put a power meter on her road bike. Um, because she uses power on the indoor sessions at E3 fitness and coaches the hell out of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted her to be able to see the correlation and like how much fun it would be to be outside. Cause her road bike doesn't get used as much as, um, her mountain bikes do,
0: which is good. That's the way it should be.
1: Yeah. Right. But it does sit there. And so I thought, man, maybe putting a power meter on and I've been like super stoked because that would make it a toy unique from the toy. She's seen it as before. So yeah. The what problem cool is, is, now
0: one after two rides with a power meter on a road bike, she's going to ask you for them for her mountain bikes. Yeah. And I was actually going to bring that up with you because I was pretty sure I had a mountain bike. Like uh, I was pretty sure I had a
1: Stages carbon uh, crank arm, and I can't find it anywhere. And if last week was any indication, you know, that the week where you swooped up those Durace pedals, road pedals for me for <laughs> absolutely free. I think you ended up with it somehow. I just have it in my head that way. I can't find that power meter because I think she's going to ask the same thing. Well, I want this on my
0: revolver. I definitely don't have your stages. I, I know the, uh, the lineage of the one that I have. I did not buy it, but I also know it wasn't yours. Okay, well, I'm,
1: I'm going to agree to spend more time on this later <laughs> and find out where the hell this well, thing is. Well, I only have one, okay. and I know exactly where it came from. <laughs> Fair enough. It's around here somewhere. It very well could be. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's cool. So being able to take, okay, this is your mountain bike you've used for three years. Everything works really well. You're pretty happy with it, but you kind of like want something different. Boom, throw some tech on it. Yeah. It now has become massively uh, more impactful for both your evolution as a rider, probably, and your um, kind of like the excitement to use that that tool now, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you remember the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes? Totally. to this day is my, 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 favorite, like Sunday comic. Um, and I don't know if you remember, if anybody remembers this, but the dad was like a road biker. Like there's a number of strips throughout the, the run of that comic where the dad was like coming in with like a road bike helmet and like a road bike over his shoulder. And one of them was he, uh, he got a computer on his bike. And this is of course back in the day when it was just a little tiny computer with like a wire and a magnet and no GPS. Um, and I don't remember the whole strip, but basically like the takeaway was like, why do you have that? And the dad was like, I don't know, bigger numbers mean more fun, I guess. Like, and then like that kind of stuck with me. Um, but yeah, like being able to, if you're actively trying to improve on the bike, being able to see some sort of number that like gives a, a value to that improvement so that it's no longer just I felt really good in that climb. It's like, well, you Strava, so you know you PR'd it, but like now you can say, well, last time I did it at this power, and this this time yeah. I did it at that power. it's so, become smarter. Yeah.
1: So recapping then, okay. Um, I'm not getting a new bike. I didn't fall into those first like kind of three categories. Um, you know, use user profile or so damaged it just doesn't make a lot of sense financially. Or emotionally, I just want a new one. So now I'm in the other category. It's look at my wheels. and Look at my tires. And then how do I make this bike do something it hasn't done before? Tech is a really cool way to do it. Yeah. So that sounds awesome. Um, I think I deserve a high five
0: for pulling that one all the way out of the ether. Yeah, that was like, that was really nice. So, even, if, even if I give myself the cheat for the tires, that one still just came out of my ear. Yeah, that was
1: fantastic. <laughs> I'm actually quite impressed. Um, okay, so, and we didn't get caught up on like some of the semantics that can just drive people crazy. Like, yeah. you know, XO1 versus yeah, XX1 no, or
0: XT no. versus XTR. So, um, yeah, we were looking to like move the needle substantially. Yeah, not, yeah, Not yeah. little shades of gray. Yeah,
1: so I like that. Um, okay, let's let's wrap it up like this. Let's do this. People get a new bike and they automatically think the bike is faster. Now, sometimes that may be the case, but there is definitely a very real value behind new bike stoke. You get on a new bike and you're going to ride it fast. Duh, it's a new bike. Like, it's just, you're so excited. Like,
0: wearing your, your, I remember back in the 80s, like the Reebok pumps. Remember when those came out? Yeah. I got a pair like instantly. I don't know. It was like, we were poor shit, but like, my mom made that shit happen. Yeah, And like, you were touching all the nets, dude, I was, I was out of control. (laughs) Okay. So new bike stokes a real
1: thing. And you and I have had no shortage of new bike days. Sure. Right. So quick story from both of us on your best new bike day experience, like the new bike day that had you most stoked. And if you're not ready, I got mine and you can like marinate.
0: So I got mine, but you're not going to like it. (laughs)
1: Oh, if it is, <laughs> it, did it just happen? It
0: just happened. Oh my God. Only because, so allow me to oh, explain shit. myself.
1: I don't even think I'm going to get the opportunity to say mine because of how
0: this episode is going to unravel. No. Um, so I'll kind of do two. Um, no, you can't. You have to do one. Well, I'm going to do the one that is going to be controversial because I like controversy and I like giving people talking points and I love it when people come in the store and talk shit to me.
1: Oh, here we go. I already know. This is like, I know what my wife's going to say before she says it situation and I'm disappointed before it even comes out. So I just
0: had a new bike day on Saturday. Yeah, you did. And Justin's disappointed because it's a fucking e-bike and it's okay. (laughs) He can be disappointed, but I also kind of set up rules for me to 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 own and have this thing which pisses me off even more because I agree with the rules. Yep. And so I agree with it all the way across the board. But and here's why it was a really really good bike day, uh, new bike day for me. And it wasn't cuz like I went super fast or it, you know all the things that you would normally associate with somebody getting a bike with a motor on it. It was emotionally an amazing day for me to know that instead of doing, like we're we're in it right now for training, right? Yeah, you're training like, your ass off. You're I following
1: a, your program scripted to the T. At
0: almost 12-hour week. And you're performing. And I'm performing. And so I'm doing m- a lot of volume. The back half of my week is big yep. and difficult. And there is a social component to mountain biking that when you're that deep, in your training, you can miss out on because you do need to do recovery rides and to get a recovery ride, oftentimes it's going to be in your basement or on a road bike, on a bike path, or something that's generally pretty boring. Not very inspiring at all. And you're going to have a hard time asking a friend to do it with you. And so one of the things that you and I have been working on um, in the Dawn to Dust programming has been this like more like emotional component of like the people surrounding you. And so knowing that I did a super hard threshold effort before work on Saturday, I finished my new bike on Saturday and I wanted to go have a fun social ride with Colin after work. And I was able to take this new tool out and do a recovery ride. My heart rate data and my effort level was totally in line with the recovery effort, but we still had a great time. And we, he and I both got to feel emotionally fulfilled as coworkers who have been friends for 35 years who want to ride bikes together. And so it was a massive victory for me.
1: Yeah. And that was, um, when you, when you can, when you came to confession, I didn't even assign any Hail Marys or or our fathers because I got it. It made it made sense, and we that is just showing the maturity that's happened on this podcast. You know, now in season four, yeah, in um, our opinion, in season one, yep, um, has really changed, and so um, we're dynamic. Yeah, but right. uh, yeah, I thought it it made a ton of sense. Now, most people don't have the luxury of being able to have as many new bike days as you have, hundred percent. And so you have a tool now that is going to be very selectively used, but in a way that aligns with your training. So
0: I dig that you had fun with it. I mean – Well, and, and it, it was it was a core memory, yeah. like, day. It was – because Colin and I, we've ha- been having just – I wouldn't say conflict, but he's been feeling a little frustrated. Like, Monday – like, by all accounts, my ride today is going to be pretty boring. It's an endurance ride. It's three hours. And, you know, normally in the past when we weren't in crunch mode for La Ruta, Mondays would be our day to go do a day trip to buff Creek or something that like you could argue is way more fun than a three hour endurance ride around town. And so like, there's been the slightest amount of friction. Yeah. Um, and so to just like realize that there was a way to avoid that friction and us to, to feel, uh, fulfilled as, as friends and riding buddies. Um, from now until forever yeah you know as long as that tool exists i've had so many new bike days that were and i don't mean it to sound like shitty but like i've had a number of really nice new expensive bikes come into my life over the course of my career in the bike business that it's hard to pick one so it just so happens that this one was recently and it, it really did like it 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 felt like a good like turning point for the fun aspect of being a serious bike, being racer. a serious bike racer. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's cool. You know, it's funny that my um, my new bike day correlates on the same scale and I would are the same like uh theme and I would say most people's favorite new bike day. So as a matter of fact, uh, we encourage you guys that do listen, shoot us what your favorite new bike day was like somehow, try, whether it's a picture and a sh- short couple of sentences, but we'd love to hear it. Um, either on our socials or, or directly on the website but uh, my first my new bike day that stands out the, the most uh, is definitely the first Ibis Ripley LS that you sold me mm. and it was uh, not because it's the best bike I've owned uh, not because it was the coolest bike ever made uh, but because it was the first bike that moved me um, from the type of bike rider I was to the pi- type of bike rider I wanted to be and so up until that point, um, my mountain bikes had always been a big brand, like guess Specialized, for the most part. Yeah. And when you sold me the Ibis Ripley LS, uh, bright orange with blue stickers. By the way, it was carbon frame, aluminum wheels, right? Yep. And so it was that level, mm-hmm. right? I did, I did you even back then. Yep. You know, stood true to who you are. And so I bought that bike, and it moved me from kind of like just. A nameless, faceless customer in like a bigger shop to a specific customer in a smaller community-driven shop, and I think once I got the Ibis, I was more on the inside. Like I had a foot in the inside of this community that became you know
0: something that I lean into really hard. It was. I mean, you could look at that like because not that Clint and I are no longer friends, we we absolutely are, but you and I had no association with each other other than you coming in with Clint once or twice and talking shit to me. Right. That's it. So like that is arguably like one of the first steps to like this right here.
1: Totally. And you sold me an Ibis and the bike is unique because it has like this swooping little like, you know, bird neck down tube. Right. And so I learned about that. I learned about, the chick that was hired to design it and why she designed it that way. I learned about, I learned all kinds of stuff because that bike was the first step in the direction that I had kind of pined to go my whole life, which is being a part of, you know, as a kid, I was in bike shops all the time and you you know, you guys are the big, scary, know everything pros. And that was the first time I felt like I had the foot in. And so it was cool to get a smaller bike brand, more niche bike, bike brand, in a niche bike shop mm-hmm. and then it got me there. And then I, I was like, I didn't have the peer pressure of not having a great bike. By all accounts that specialized I had as a stump jumper is a, a bike. Yeah. It was a. It was like $4,000 price point bike, you know, like it wasn't a piece of junk. Um, but I now had this thing that was like even more special. And that's my favorite new bike day of all time that's awesome. to this point, to this day. Um, matter of fact, I passed a guy who had an orange Ibis Ripley LS with the IBIS wheels and the blue stickers on it that I got the second round. Yeah. And I looked at it for a second, wondering if that's the guy I sold it to and <laughs> had a fond memory. Um, yeah. That's so awesome. that's my favorite new bike day. And and it goes back to exactly what you said, like the, the, the community, the connection, like that, that type of piece of the sport, you yeah. know, is, yeah. is what
0: you're remembering. So. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big part of it. We get so caught in our, like I train in my basement. I go and do my training rides, I got to do this effort. It's it's easy to disconnect from like the fun part, yeah, or the the more in your face fun because I still find all the training stuff fun too. But like, you know, like the 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 type one versus type two. Oh. <laughs> well, cool. So hopefully we answered
1: some questions or like or, gave some information or just kept or entertained help, for Help, an help hours, to kill an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my americano is gone. I know, man. and uh, we both got training rides on on the docket. So yep.
0: Um. Where are we out from Laruta right now? It's not a lot. As of the recording, I have a I have a countdown. I don't know if that's good or bad, but
1: no, it's, it's great. You're close though. Or I get this. 44
0: six, days. Yeah. 44 days to Laruta. That's tight. Alright, guys, get to it. Thanks for <laughs> listening. Thanks, guys. Read,
1: you're done. So get the fuck out! Read, you're done Get the fuck out, you're weak, you're done, so get the fuck out.